Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. A bit of an abbreviated version tonight, but an important one nonetheless. Uh, Trey Watkins and Ryan Kearney are out tonight. They are have the night off. And joining me instead is former BYU legend, former NFL player. It's Hans Olsen. Uh, very nice of him to join us. Me and Hans work together loosely at... Uh, 1280 The Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I just wanted to, first of all, welcome Hands. I can say that you are the biggest guest we've ever had, both in the figurative sense and the literal sense that we've ever had on this podcast. So so welcome to the End Zone Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, happy to be with you, Eric. Thanks for having me on, man. I always appreciate what you do. I've loved your podcast. And uh, you guys do a fantastic job, so happy to be on with you. Yeah, no worries. So the main thing I wanted to discuss tonight is talking a little bit about some of these prospects from Utah and BYU and Utah State all coming out into the draft this year. There's quite a few, and you obviously cover uh, the state very closely for work here in in Salt Lake, so there's really no better person to have on to um, talk about those, and, and especially I wanted to talk about the two offensive line prospects coming out of here, as you are a former defensive lineman and someone who has some experience with offensive line play as well, and I guess my first question there is, it's always just such a mystery to me, but I, I need your help and your expertise, because I want to get better at watching football, so can you tell me the first thing you're looking for when you're watching some of these offensive line prospects? As far as prospects, I'm, I'm looking for first step speed. I'm looking for hand placement. I'm looking for upper body power, um, knee drive, those types of things. I mean, as, as far as if, if I'm a scout and I'm looking for prospects, there's certain things that I need to see in my offensive line skill sets that are just upper body power and first step power. So, you know, there, there are a lot of different unique attributes of, of some of your your Pro Bowl NFL linemen that are that are pretty, um, as far as the uh, as far as the skill set, are pretty unique. Um, but most of it's combined with leg drive and upper body power. So, you know, you're looking for those types of things, and then you're looking for a way an offensive lineman fits into a certain scheme, your spread schemes your traditional power eyes, your wing sets, all of it uses different offensive line play that that really demands different aspects of an offensive lineman. So it, it just depends on what scheme I'm going to throw out there and, you know, what what exactly I'm trying to get. Am I trying to get a, a screen scheme offensive line or draw sets offensive line or all kinds of things that go into it, Eric? Which is your favorite to watch? Uh, my favorite is, is just a traditional set. I don't, I don't like zone plays. I don't like zone blocking. I like all traditional O-line plays. So I like exact schemed play where linemen have a, a set target or a set area. Like th- those are the things that I look for. I, I've never liked zones, getting on railroad tracks, picking up whatever traffic's in front of you. That's always confusing to me. To, to me, that leaves two or three defenders unblocked, which can cause all kinds of problems. So I'm just a traditional set, and that's what I played in 
um, you know, both at BYU and at, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts and in the AFL, I mean, just to go full circle on it, it was, it was all very little zone uh, incorporated, zone blocking incorporated. Right. So I, I think that that's a really interesting answer, Bear, especially as more and more of the NFL translates to kind of some of those zone blocking systems. I appreciate the insight, Bear. I wanted to just get your thoughts on some of the line prospects coming out of Utah right now and BYU's James Empey and Utah's Nick Ford. What, what do you see in those guys that you, that you really like? Well, both of them are extremely unique. Uh, James Empey and, and Nick Ford are just, I, I mean, I don't know. You couldn't have two more different offensive line sets and abilities. I, I think Nick Ford is, is more of a, of a power line. I, I think that what I would do is I'd take Nick, I'd put him on the inside. I'd probably put him at a guard, maybe transitional center. I, I got to imagine some places are looking for him at tackle, but – I'd put him in a power set. I don't, I don't like him in zone sets. I like him in all kind of plan structure. And I, I think that Nick Ford's a draftable offensive lineman, um, just full of power and full of rage. He plays with anger, which, which I love offensive linemen that play with anger. And then I think James Impey is more of an intellect. He's a, a center. He's, uh, he's got great field vision. He's a field general. You know, he's somebody that you put all of your, your front calls and front schemes and, and pickups, you put that in his lap so that he communicate. he makes those calls, he identifies the back or whatever you're identifying a, a, a mic or if you're identifying anything else for your key reads. But he identifies those things and then he communicates with his running back, communicates with his tight ends, and kind of orchestrates the front and the protections. So... Both of them bring incredible skill sets, but I love James Impey as a as a field general. I think that James will probably be a free agent because of his untimely injury, and I think that James will be a free agent. I think he'll probably land a practice squad, get healthy, and then get some time on an active roster. I think that Nick Ford is more of a line-ready offensive lineman, stayed healthy, very powerful, I, th- I could see him going maybe sixth or seventh round, possibly free agent. Um, it may be practice squad guy, maybe even a, a rotational because he can play center and guard. So he might be a rotational personnel as well. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating how, especially these days in the NFL, it is so important if you're an offensive lineman to be able to play multiple positions on the line it seems like guys get kind of circled through almost constantly throughout the season as different injuries and things of that nature pop up do you think that that versatility is a really big thing that sets apart some of these prospects especially who might struggle to be drafted in the later rounds What's that? Give me give me that question again, Eric. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I I was just wondering that versatility. That's that's always going to help with draft stocks, right? Because you're always. It seems. Oh yeah. Especially today, it seems like more and more we see 
offensive lines are never fully set in stone. They rotate kind of throughout the game. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's really important because, you know, NFL rosters faced with some big decisions, and it's stuff that people don't see on a, on a daily or a weekly basis, but you only get a, a, a certain amount of players that you can dress. Some, some teams will dress three quarterbacks. Um, some will dress an extra special team, either a returner or some type of gunner. Um, and so you're always making the decisions on an NFL roster on who to dress and how many. You know, back in the time that I was with the Colts and, and in that Peyton Manning offense, they liked to dress an extra specialty player and one less offensive lineman. So there were typically only seven offensive linemen that were available or eight offensive linemen that were available in the time of a game. And so you, you've got to have a guy that can, that can swing guard or center. You've got to have a guy that can swing guard or tackle that can give a breather. If you, you know, get in a 14 or 16 play set, then you've got a guy that can swing. That's why it's important that, you know, a guy can play more than just right guard or a guy that can play more than just left tackle. Now you do have your starting five and typically they're cemented into a position, but then you've got swing rotational offensive linemen. Nobody ever knows their name. Nobody ever cares about them, but they are certainly there. And, and I think Nick Ford is one of those guys. I don't think James, James Empey is, is as much of that. I think that James is more of your standard center and he's, he's going to have to, really make his hay at that center position. So, which, which is difficult because, you know, if, if you're not looking for just a standard center, you need that swing center guard because you're only looking to dress, dress eight offensive linemen. It makes a difference. Yeah, it, it certainly sounds like it does. I, I think that's some very valuable insight that you've just provided right there. So with that, I think we've, we've covered the offensive line in, in some detail, unless you had anything else you wanted to add on that. But I wanted to ask you just what are some of your favorite prospects coming out of the state in general this year? Who are some guys that you're, you're really excited to see play in the NFL? Well, I'm excited to see what Britton Covey can do. Um, I'm hoping that Britton Covey's draftable. I, I, I would love to see him go in the draft. I've heard rumors that there are a couple of teams that are actually looking at him in the fifth round, uh, possibly in the sixth. So he could be drafted. He's going to have to be a fantastic returner. Um, He's going to have to really make his money and make his hay in returning punts. And then he's going to have to stay healthy and he's going to have to show that he can stay healthy and, and knows how to get down and not take the big hits. You know, I, I know we talk about the West Welkers and Danny Woodheads of the world, but those guys had a unique ability to sense the hit and they would get down and they would avoid a lot of the damage. So I'm really excited to see what Britton Covey can do in the NFL. I, I think that Algier is going to be drafted and I think that Algier is going to get some opportunity. And, you know, he's, he's one that I'm just going to sit back and see how he transitions to the NFL. And, and see if his body holds up and see if, if he can kind of carry that momentum that he had in his final year with BYU because it was extremely special. So watching really close for Tyler Algier to see what he can do. Um, I, I love uh, Fotheringham, the tight end out of Utah. 
And I know that he decided he was going to take his shot in the NFL. And I hope that Fotheringham gets an opportunity because I think that he can be a really good trench asset. And I, I think he's got slip ability that's really nice. I think he can hit a lot of the digs and, and a lot of the just the you know the intermediate routes. And he's really good at that. Sneaks out of different trench play and, and becomes a target. So I, I, I'm hopeful that Fotheringham gets an opportunity. You know, I, I think that here in the state of Utah, there's a lot of guys, but you know, the the one that I think everybody's most interested in is is uh, the receiver out of Utah State, Thompson. Um, you know, what second leading receiver in the country last year and doesn't even get a combine invite. It's bizarre that this guy is being overlooked as much as he is. And I, and maybe it's because of his size, um, but he's got unique speed and ability as well. And we'll see if we'll see if he can make the transition to the NFL. That's one guy I'll be watching really close to. So there's a lot of great talent coming out of the state that we'll be looking for in this upcoming NFL season. Yeah, of course. It seems like this is going to be a big year where it, there could be four or five guys drafted and maybe three or four more signed to practice squads and training camp rosters and things like that. Uh, you mentioned twice there, kind of the transition between college and the NFL. I think I would not be doing a good job as an interviewer if I didn't ask this question. You have done that you have transitioned from playing college football to playing in the nfl what is what is that like how difficult is that well you know the the transition from high school to college is really difficult it's physical and there's an elevation in strength and speed the transition from college to the nfl is almost double what that is Uh, it's you and it comes with a load of pressures you know when you're starting to see the $35,000 $35,000 a week because they pay you through the 16 week season. Uh, and now these rookies are, I think they're at 680,000 uh, or, or 690,000 for a rookie minimum salary now in the NFL. So it's a lot of money and it comes with a lot of responsibility and that responsibility comes with a lot of pressure. So you throw that pressure on the fact that you've got to perform and you have yourself in a really tough position, man. And then the physicality of it, the body has to hold up. The bones and joints can't break on you because if you're just one of those bubble rookies and the the joints break, they'll just get rid of you. And those contracts aren't guaranteed. So, you know, there's an an amount of applied pressure that you're thinking, I've got to go all out. But if I go all out and I break something, they're going to toss me to the the, the curb anyway. So uh, the pressures are immense. The speed and strength is, is highly increased. Uh, the stakes are extremely high, and it, it is really difficult. There are some people that find a groove, and, and it becomes a lot easier for them. And and then there's guys like me that, you know, scrap and claw and do everything they can to try to hang on for three years. Right. I, I mean, it seems like it, it's a tremendous struggle. And, you know, I, I just, you know, that that part is very humbling to me as someone who, you know, I never played football and I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell I couldn't do anything on a football field. I'd break almost immediately be snapped in half, but um, just what these guys do on a week to week basis. And especially for young people who are my, my age at this point coming into the league and dealing with all that pressure and, and someone like you who really worked as hard as they possibly could 
to get into the league and just hang around for a few years. It's just a tremendous level of respect I have for these players, even though it's fun to come on here and say, oh, that guy, he might not be as good this week, or this guy, I don't think he's that great this week. These guys do incredible stuff, and it's just uh, super fun to watch. So I I appreciate your, your input on that. Yeah, you bet, Eric. Finally. I have to ask this question. I wouldn't be a good journalist if I didn't. You sent a tweet out this morning. Yeah. It's 8.34 a.m., and I've already knocked down two Diet Mountain Dew Big Slams, starting into my third. My first question is, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Okay. I'm healthy. I'm upright. I, just, I need a little boost, Eric. I, and what are Big Slams? Did you just ask what a big slam is? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. No. I, I, uh, what year were you born, Eric? Uh, I'm very young. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, back in the nineties, nineteen nineties, um, Shaquille O'Neal came out with what they called the big slam, and they did it in Pepsi and Mountain Dew, and the big slam is what is now just a one liter drink. <laughs> it used to be the big slam and Shaq used to advertise for the big slam. And they went from just your traditional 20 ounce to the one liter drinks. And those one liter drinks used to be called big slams. I, I don't know. I don't know where they dropped the big slam label or why they did because it was an incredible promotion, but the big slam just used to be the one liter and Shaq was the leader of the one liter. Is it healthy to be drinking three Diet Mountain Dew Big Slams at 8.34 in the morning? I would say a liter and a half of liquid in in about a four-hour period is not good, Eric. Okay. It is is not good in the system altogether. Okay. Well, uh, but you did power through. We powered through, man. See, you're... He's an athlete. He's an athlete. Uh, he's still got it. Well, thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time, Hands, and I, I really appreciate it, and I'd love to have you back on closer to football season to maybe talk about some of the teams in the state. Anytime, Eric. I'm always here for you, brother. Thanks for all you do. You do a great job. You keep you keep doing what you're doing because people love you, and uh, and you've got a great character, and so there's going to be a lot of people listening to you through for a long time. So keep doing your thing, okay? <laughs> You're too kind. But uh, but thank you very much. All right. All right, Eric. Thanks. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of the End Zone Podcast, a very abbreviated episode. We will have another show before the draft, and then we'll have a draft recap on Friday and our final show before a quick summer break on May 2nd preview. Uh, talking about draft winners and losers. So go check all that out. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.